listening to the Vineyard Church's UK and Ireland podcast. The following audio was taken from the Cause to Live For 2022, our annual event for students' 20s and 30s. So excited this afternoon uh, to be in conversation with two phenomenal people, followers of Jesus, leaders, church planters, heroes, really in the vineyard, uh, Steve and Tammy G. Give them a round of applause. And we've titled the seminar um, for this afternoon, A Journey of Saying Yes. And really that's what we want to explore. What does it look like in our time for our generation, for the sake of our cities and for the glory of Jesus to say yes to um, really the next thing. And Steve and Tammy have been on that journey for many, many, many years. And uh, we're just gonna, in a bit of a conversation, hear from them and hear the journey that they have been on. And um, you are in for a treat because these guys are are incredible. Um, so I'd love us to start by just hearing your a bit of your story. For those that don't know you guys, uh, would you tell us a little bit about yourselves, um, what you love to do, what do you get up to in life? Tell us your bit of your story. Yeah, sure. So um, I'm Steve, in case you're wondering. Uh, this is Tammy. And um, yeah, we've been around the vineyard for, um, I think we worked out the other day, it was like 26 years, uh, which just feels like a lifetime ago. And um, we, we've been married for 23 of those years. And uh, we have um, three daughters, uh, all who are in those informative years of being teenagers, uh, which is interesting. Um, Josh did say, what, what do you like doing? And um, I, I think I discovered that we're quite boring. <laughs> um, um, we're, we're in that season of life where uh, we have become professional taxi drivers. Um, and, and so um, we, we've got a busy family life and yeah, ferrying our kids around from different things to one to another and different things like that. Uh, we also have some responsibility in the Vineyard family, and so we, uh, we get to serve as regional leaders um, for the North, Midlands and East, uh, which is slightly insane. But um, yeah, so we, we, we get to do that and we get to look after, help look after a bunch of churches across the movement. Anything you would say? Yeah, um, I just think um, sort of in that kind of family life, we do often doing this. We love um, being called by God to uh, church plant. You know, yes, it's a hard time, but there's, there is so much fun. Uh, recently, we've um, moved, which we'll come on to a bit later, but um, someone invited us to an ice hockey game. That's probably one of the best things I've ever done in my life, <laughs> is discover ice hockey, because it's so brutal, but it's fun. So, yeah. It's the violence not is what on, makes it fun, not though, isn't it? Yeah, it's just watching it, you know. <laughs> it's a great vibe. <laughs> Stunning. So, um, I'd love to kind of pick apart your journey, your story, as you have said yes to Jesus. We're here at Cause, which is obviously a kind of 18 to 30s students, young adults conference, loads of people in their kind of early 20s, mid 20s, late 20s, 30s, who are just longing to be used by God for remarkable things. I'm sure there's every single person in this room, you put your hand up, say, I want to be used by God. And you guys embarked on that journey of saying yes to Jesus young. You planted your first church, I think age 21 and 22. So these guys are insane. And 
I want to hear a little bit of what that yes looked like. Why? Why? Firstly, why did you plan a church? <laughs> why? 21 and 22. I was like in my pants watching Star Wars at that age all day. Um, I, I, I was doing that as well. <laughs> I was doing that as well. Um, I, well, I was actually, it was, I was actually 19 when we started our first small group in the place where we planted. And um, someone gave me, so this is how long ago it was, someone gave me a set of teaching tapes. Uh, do, do, They're any, coming back do people know what tapes it? are? They're like these you know, rectangular shaped things that you have to wind around with a pencil, you know. Um, but um, yeah, someone gave me a set of teaching tapes um, with John Wimber and a guy called Bob Fulton. It was called Church Planting, God's Heart for Expansion. And, um, and so I was like 18, 19 years of age listening to these, these tapes. And really, it was just like the vineyard's kind of like introduction to this thing that we call church planting. And I remember listening to that as an 18, 19 year old kid, not really knowing or understanding half of what they were talking about. You know, it was just like, yeah, OK, that's it. That's interesting. But there was there was a conviction for me that sort of said, you know, I think this is what I'm meant to do. I think this is something I'm meant to do for perhaps the rest of my life, uh, to be involved in this, this process of, of, of church planting. And so we were, we were actually, uh, became part of the Birmingham Vineyard. Uh, and so uh, we, we were at the Birmingham Vineyard for a, a number of years, but we were there at a distance. And so I grew up in a small, um, well, we grew up in a small, um, town on the west side of Northamptonshire and um, so we were commuting um, commuting to church every Sunday and so we were there in person on Sundays but then we were starting small groups in our hometown and that commute was 40 miles by yeah, I, I learned to drive in the process uh, which, which which was exciting but you know so we we were we were we were doing that and slowly over time you know, as we were reaching out to friends and neighbours, you know, we we're doing all sorts of things to really kind of engage with our community. I remember we used to do, we used to do loads of alpha courses and we'd just do it in people's living rooms. And um, I remember this one time, the alpha course was so busy, we thought, well, we need another space. And so we, we talked the next door neighbour into doing the alpha course. <laughs> Um, and so we had two alpha courses running um, and, and, and just, saw, just see, saw God do some wonderful, wonderful things. And, and I would say, despite us, yeah. you know, that um, we had no idea what we were doing. And, um, you know, if you were to kind of have a scale of what it means to be a pastor, if it was like zero is like zero competence and, and 10 was like, you know, amazing superstar pastor, then we were kind of like at the zero end. You know, we had, we had no idea. We, we had no idea what it really meant to lead people, but just this burning passion to think we, we want to see something happen in this place, in, in this community. And so we kind of, we kind of ended up um, being released. We, we were married in December 1999, and three months later they commissioned us um, as the pastors of this fledgling church. And so, yeah, that, that's kind of the, the, the little bit of the journey we're on for that. Yeah, and I, I just think um, a bit that preludes that, Steve grew up uh, in Christian faith. 
um, and I didn't. So I hadn't um, become a Christian until I was like 15, 16. So I, I'd not long been on that journey of what, what does it even mean to follow God? But what I did know was that when I heard the gospel, it transformed my life, like beyond what I could have imagined now when looking back. I just knew that I'd read the gospel and this um, meant that my life wasn't going to be what I thought it was going to be. It was going to be what what God um, was going to say it was going to be. And so when um, I began having conversations with Steve, we'd talk about church. Um, so we grew up together and we actually lived next door to each other. I in married the, the girl in next door. In the latter door. years of our yeah. life. But... Um, she begged. We began... I wish this. He... Uh, we began to just have conversations about church and what was church and 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 what the Bible kind of um, spoke to us and what our experiences were and actually um, about living fully for Jesus. Um, so, you know, those conversations, I think, were really important to that kind of start of the journey of what does it really mean to live for Jesus? Wow. And just, just to kind of, what well, I love, you, you just said something there, which is like, you didn't really know what you were doing, mm. but you just had to say yes to the invitation. And I don't know about anyone else here, but I, I've kind of felt over the years, stepping into my calling, I have to be amazing in order to do that. And I just love that you're like, no, 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 actually the yes comes first. Mm. Um, yeah. Wow. So you guys, I know, have an incredible passion for this emerging generation, uh, kind of millennials, Gen Z. And I'd love for you to share some of your, your observations on the cultural moment that we mm. find ourselves in right now. Some of, what are some of the dangers that we need to be aware of, some of the pitfalls, but also some of the invitations that Jesus <laughs> is asking of us in this cultural moment? Yeah, I think... It is true that we we probably live in a really significant moment, don't we, in history? You know, when you... I, I, one of the things I'm hopeful for is a move of God, mm. you know, that we would see God move in a significant way in our day and in our time. And then I think when you look back over other cultural significant moments of change, it does feel like all the ingredients are there, you know, for, for God to do something in our midst, for... For, for God to move. But I think it does come with some challenges. There are some challenges, and particularly some challenges for this generation, I think, um, that would perhaps that they need to be addressed or they need to be challenged in some way. Um, I, think, I think one one that kind of came out of our conversation before this was just this, this kind of um, generational fear of commitment. That, that sometimes there is this, 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 this kind of impetus in, in, a, in, in, the, in the, this particular generation that, that kind of fears, you know, if I, if I commit to this, what if something better comes along? <laughs> you know, um, and, or I'll, I'll, I'll kind of commit, but something better might arrive, and so I can, I can go and do that as well. So there might be a, a better church or better group of people, more good-looking people, well, I could go and, uh, and, and join. And so I think what happens is, is that um, the, there's this kind of generational kind of arm's length 
kind of commitment. You know, <laughs> I'll, I'll kind of commit for now. And, um, and, and my sense is that the, the, the challenge is, is that actually we, we've got to be all in, haven't we? We've got to give ourselves fully. Um, that's, that's been our story. It's just a, been a repeated story. I say, yeah, we're fully invested. Uh, we're, we're fully committed uh, to, to what the Lord wants to do. And so I, I just wonder if there is a moment to kind of think about what does it really mean for me to commit um, in my day and time? What, what, what would it mean for me to be fully invested, even though the people around me, they're not perfect, you know, or the circumstances aren't perfect. And there are some better things out there that look better, smell better. Um, but actually, I'm going to commit in this moment to these people, or this thing that God has for me, this thing that God's stirring in my heart. So uh, I guess that would be one thing for me. But Yeah, and I think um, in that saying yes and kind of making that commitment, one of the reasons I think um, we fear that commitment is just we have this innate fear of failure. You know, culture has perfectly set us up um, in this generation. You know, sometimes it's referred to as the, the social media generation to show that failure sucks and everything's perfect in one take. And that's how we live. And we kind of have this thing inside us. It's like, well, if this doesn't look picture perfect, if I don't really know what I'm going to, what I'm doing, this is going to fail. And actually, it's paralyzing. I think it paralyzes a generation of people from just saying, yes, I think the Lord's saying that. I'll give it a go. And um, in that, we all kind of want safety, don't we? We want guaranteed success. Um, and we don't want to be the people that tried and messed it up. Whereas I think the invitation from God is just to try, regardless of the outcome. You know, so I, I just think back to our years when, when we planted our first church in Daventry. If we'd have gone, actually, we have no idea what we're doing. Let's not bother. You know, I have no idea where that might have led us to on this journey. But we had to just go for it knowing that if God was in this, then he's going to provide um, the outcomes for that. It's not about our outcome. It's not about how good it looks on paper or on Instagram, whatever those things. Actually, I'm using paper, so I have no idea. I'm, you know, <laughs> not too sure. So, yeah, it's, it's about what does it look like to God, that, like, you know, that he is your only audience. Mm. And so the, out, the outcome, we often want to know what, how it's going to end before we say the yes. Yeah. And I love what you said, Steve, earlier about you said yes to doing this for the rest of your life. Like yeah. we're in an instant microwave culture where it's like we want as many get outs as possible. And for you to say, do you know what, Jesus, I'm going to be in until the day I die. Yeah. Like that is pretty remarkable. Yeah. Um, and you have no idea whether the outcome is going to be even successful. No, not, not at all. all. Not at all. Not at all. We, um, there was no guarantee of success. But it's just obedience. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and I think we, we planted a church where it was very much sink or swim. You know, so uh, it either works or it doesn't. You know, and we'll give you a laptop. And if it doesn't work, can we have the laptop back? Or so, you know, <laughs> it's just like, you know, it's just, um, there's no, no, no guarantees. No guarantees yeah. at all. 
and there was nothing culturally, oh, this is going to look good or anything. It was just like, you know, should we see if Jesus is moving? Because it looks like he's moving. So let's just try it. And I think, you know, in that sense that he's looking for people to say yes, he's looking for people who are willing just to make that decision. Uh, whatever the yes is to, the decision is actually to give up your life for Jesus and to go on that path and to be confident in Jesus and to be confident in the invitation um, that Jesus makes to you to come follow him and that come follow him is more than just oh I'm just going to follow along and see what happens um in Matthew 19 you know um Jesus is is explaining to you know why it's hard for the rich person um to follow him because the rich person has to give up all of his wealth you know Peter says this he says we have left everything to follow you what then will there be for us and Jesus said to them truly I tell you at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mothers or wives or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first." So the calling is more than I'm just going to follow you. It's I'm going to give up my life. I'm going to say yes to you, Jesus. You know, and for me, it was like God rescued me from what potentially is a life of death because it wasn't a life in the kingdom. And at that time, I felt like I really understood that. And I understood that he paid a cost for me and a cost that I could never match. And so it doesn't matter where or what he has called me to, I will say yes. Wow. That's so good. And your yes has eternal consequences. Yes. Like in that, those verses, yeah. like your yes echoes into eternity where there's going to be reward. I don't think we talk that much about rewards in heaven, mm. but we should. Yeah, I think culturally it's all about reward now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I often say this to my children, they get sick of it. Don't have loans, don't have credit cards, don't have this, don't do that, because it's all about now, 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 now. And that is not the life God has called you to. He's called us to the long haul life. Um, and yeah, they probably get sick of me, but I shall keep saying that. It's not about now. Wow, I love it. So powerful. Um, can we come back to your story, guys? Yeah. Um, so you, you planted that church, age 21 and 22, and then you planted another church a few years later, brilliant church called Central Vineyard. Mm. <laughs> There's a few of them here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. incredible, <laughs> Central Vineyard. And then that grew, amazingly, and out of that church... Surprisingly. Despite us. Despite <laughs> you. Oh, yeah, well, incredibly. And then there was another... I think three church plants and sites off that, you kind of pioneered a, a multi-site view of church. I think a couple of years back you did, you shared that story at, I think, NLC or something. And I came to that seminar, I was just blown away by what God had done. You'd said yes to the next thing and, and the church had grown incredibly. Um, and you led that thriving church for 16 years. Would you share some well, major life and leadership lessons that you learned in those years building a church which was just doing incredible things? What, what were some lessons that you learned? Um, I, I, think, I think one of the things I would say is um, 
don't underestimate what God can do uh, if you stick at something for the long haul. Mm. You know, if you if you continue um, to show up and do something um, for the for the long haul. The truth the truth was, the first five years of planting Central Vineyard was pretty volatile. In fact, um, you know, it's a, it's another story for another time. But we we had a full start. You know, we 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 failed, we, fa- we failed the first time, and we had to pick ourselves up and humble ourselves, which is pretty hard when you're 28 years old and trying to prove yourself as a male. Um, and 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 so. And, and, and so, you know, it's, there's something about just sticking at something for, for as, as long as you possibly can. I think, that, I think that's when the fruit, the fruit comes, you know. And so, we, so I, think, I think there is a lesson in that, that um, it's easy to give up on things, isn't it? It's easy to move on to the next thing. And did you feel like giving up? Was there a bit of you yeah. after that didn't work out that you thought, I'll go work in blockbusters. Yeah, we. Um, well, we did. We had this fantasy, didn't we? We did have a fantasy. <laughs> this, I think, um, John and Debbie had just built this building when it when we'd uh, we'd failed as a church, church plant, and um, my dream was, well, they've built a bar in the church, so why don't we just go there? We'll move to Nottingham. And, you know, we can drown our sorrows and do church <laughs> <laughs> without uh, any commitment. Know, and that, that was the fantasy, and you know, and we did seek out counsel. You know, we did say we said to people, you know, like we, we've we've had a go at this; it hasn't worked. You know, the church went from 15 or so to five people in a year. Um, Tammy was pregnant with our first daughter. She was in and out of hospital. We got burgled twice. You know, just loads of disastrous things happened in the space of a year. It just makes you think, why am I bothering? You know, or why, why, would I, why, would I do, why would I do this? And we sought out counsel from people. And to our dismay, people were like, no, you're, you're called to do this. God's in this. You, you, you know, you could do this. And someone gave us permission to put down tools for six months and go again uh, which was just the wisest most godliest counsel we could have had then they just said why don't you have a break and it was like is that legal can we do that and they were like yeah sure you can and so that's what we did and we took a break we changed our strategy and so you know when we planted our first church there was loads of relational equity we grew up in the town we knew lots of people one of the negatives was some of them changed my nappy when I was a baby. So that was one of the negatives. But, you know, when we moved to Northampton, we knew nobody. In fact, um, we knew Jack's mum and dad. Um, yeah, and that was it. Um, and, and so, and so we knew no one. And so we had to change our strategy. We had to adjust what we were doing to see this church birth. And so, yeah, and it was just being willing and humble enough to do that, I suppose. Yeah. Any other leadership lessons? Yeah, I think um, particularly one that probably took um, for granted for a long time was actually, and maybe it's a personal personality thing for us, is our flexibility. I think uh, flexibility is probably underrated. Uh, and what I mean by that is we're just always willing to just give something a go. And not just flexibility for ourselves, but flexibility for the people that we're around and the people we lead. You know, we've, through us, time, you know, no end of people come to us saying, well, I really thought I could try this. And I'm like, well, give it a go then. Why not give it a go? What's the worst that could happen? You know, it, it might not go how you planned and then you'll know whether you should have tried it or not. And I just think that kind of flexible um, thing, and I just think... 
having that in yourself, but having it for those around you, that kind of encouragement of why don't you try it and let's just see, rather than coming coming with that fear or the anxiety of that kind of failure um, or commitment. And I think as a person, not wanting to hold on to things, and I think it's a, a really good lesson as a leader to definitely not want to um, be the person that's glorified for anything and to not be the person that's considered you know which is a bit odd because we're sitting here but you know some amazing things happened um, in our church environment because we just said yes to other people to give it a go um, and so I think that that kind of really pays yes uh, yeah, all round. yeah and I think I think part of that is kind of kind of being comfortable with who you are yeah. as, as a leader you know and being comfortable with um, the role you're called to play and uh, and so you know I, I've spent the last 16 years surrounding myself with people who are much better than me um, who people can do things and organize things and make things look good you know and I get to tell all the stories and get all the prate no um, <laughs> but you know it's it I think there's we've, we've we've had this willingness to just surround ourselves with people who can do the things in their lane that they can do you know, and we and we just get to be part. Yeah. We get get to be part of that. You know, part of that journey and part of that story. Yeah. Well, so you had you had sixteen years saying yes to Jesus at Central Vineyard, and then in the you've had a pretty wild last year, right? Yeah, a lot has changed. <laughs> Maybe a lot has changed for you guys. You were, I think, by all accounts, in a place of relative comfort i know leading a church is not is always like challenging but um you were part of a great church that was doing amazing things um and then you sense god inviting you to say another yes which looks like laying down that church and well could you just why don't you explain what it's looked like yeah yeah um I, I said to I said in another context that we um, we committed career suicide. Um, <laughs> if being a pastor uh, is a career, um, yeah. Just just before the pandemic, um, we we kind of hit a, a couple of milestones in life. We celebrated twenty years of marriage, um, and obviously we celebrated twenty years of ministry, and. Um, I, I guess to use a sporting term, it was a bit of a half-time moment for us, you know, uh, and a bit of a, a reflective moment to just kind of ask Jesus, you know, if we get to serve you, Jesus, for another 20 years, what what might that look like? What might you want to do? And, um, you know, there was, there was some circumstantial things going on around us. You know, we were leading a large church uh, across four different locations. I thought that would be much easier than a large church in one location. Um, <laughs> I was a fool. Um, and, um, and, you know, there were some complexities around just trying to build a staff team that really made that happen. And, and I think one of the things that we'd noticed through our journey in leadership is that every time our church grew in any kind of significant way, uh, we always kind of had the grace for the next bit. You know, there's just like God would give us the people, the resources. He would help us to kind of 
grow a little bit so we could become the kind of leaders we needed to be. And it just felt like for, for at least a year leading up to this point, we had reached a ceiling where we just, the grace wasn't coming. You know, it's just like, what, what, what are we going to do? And we tried to solve it in a few different ways. But I think the more we journeyed and the more we tried to discern, we, just, we, we really wanted to get to this place of, of, I guess, holy indifference. You know, what... What might Jesus be saying in this moment to us? And, and, our, and our sense was, if Jesus said, Stephen, tell me, stay, and you've just got to grow up, you know, okay. we, we, we resolved in our hearts that, yes, okay, Lord, that, that will be our yes. We will, we will stay and we'll try and grow up. We'll become better leaders <laughs> and we'll figure out how you lead a large church because we've got no idea. Um, or if Jesus was to say, go, uh, we were also in a place where we'd say, okay, Lord, we'll, we'll be willing to say yes to that as well. And, and so I guess through a season of discernment, which we didn't rush, um, we spent months and months and months and months of kind of trying to discern what the Lord was saying. But in a season of discernment, it, it became clear to us that our, our time at Central Vineyard had come to a close and that season was, was coming to an end and that the Lord was inviting us back into uh, the world of church planting. And so, um, uh, and so that then began another discerning journey. So like, well, where would you go? What, how, how would you do that? And um, it has to be the Lord because he sent us to Milton Keynes. Uh, <laughs> and so um, eight weeks ago, we, we moved to the city and um, began this adventure of church planting again. Wow. So um, that's a that's a bit of a risk. I think uh, your journey has been marked by risk taking moments. Mm. I imagine that there's not been many yeses to Jesus that haven't involved a, a gap, a God gap, a level of risk. John Wimber, the founder of the vineyard, um, once said that faith is spelled risk, R-I-S-K. Um, I think it, it's such a powerful statement. Would you just unpack what that means to you? What does it mean mm. to live a life of risk? What does it mean to yeah. step out in risk? How does that play out? Yeah. Well, firstly, um, having to de decipher that um, John Wimber could actually spell. Um, that was the first time I was like, so you know what he's doing? But um, <laughs> so along with that kind of R-A-S-K risk, um, there was another thing that John Wimber said, and I kind of took them both hand in hand. Um, he, he used to say, I'm a fool for Christ, whose fool are you? And, you know, that uh, is quite profound, really, because... Um, I began to sort of think, if I'm going to risk my life, it might be foolish. You're going to look foolish. You know, what we did, like Steve said, committing career suicide to people. Like, why would you want to? I think, you know, we did have people trying to talk us out of it. Why would you want to do that when you've got an established church, your pastor and your lead and, you, you know, it's secure? And it's like, you know, but for me, that was another moment of, you know, just it might look foolish to you. But actually, if I'm going to make and take risks for the kingdom, I'm probably going to look foolish and I have to be okay with that. 
have to be okay that he is my audience. And um, for me, like I tell this story, so God calls us even if we've not walked there before. He just does. You know, it might be things that we haven't experienced. And um, when I was, um, when I, during my school years, I um, did um, the Duke of Edinburgh Awards. Now with that, you kind of like, as a small group, you, you gather together and you plan uh, expeditions and, uh, and, and you go off and complete these things. And so as a team, we would gather in a small room and we'd get these maps that we'd be told where we were going in the country and dropped off and where we needed to get to. So we'd get our like OS maps out and, and we'd look at those maps, we'd kind of gauge the terrain and we'd set what we needed for that journey. Now, we might not have never been to that part of the country and we're just gauging that the maps are probably gonna be okay and, and uh, we'd have a good judgment of that. But when you arrive to that location and you're dropped off, you know, and you kind of look at your plan and you think, Wow, a map's way easier <laughs> than what it actually really looks like. And I think it's a bit bit like that with God. He calls us and, and, and we can spend some time, we can look at the maps and gauge and we can get these things right. And when we land on the ground, it's probably not going to look anything like we've kind of hoped. But that's the risk we take to complete um, the journey that God's called us into. Um, it's just basically entering into the to the actually the unseen and being okay with that and it might look foolish. Do you want to add anything? That's good. Other than um, Tammy did Duke of Edinburgh and she's got no sense of direction. I have um, with a map and a compass. And we now live in a city that's built on a grid and she gets lost. <laughs> um, um, that's by the by. <laughs> Give me a compass, I'll be fine. <laughs> So there's this gap when we step out yeah. and um, we need God to come through for us. Yeah. And I guess many people will have been in those moments when you're like praying for something or God asks you to do something or just offer to pray for someone. You're at university, you're doing that and you just feel like, hey, I need to step out now. You don't know how it's going to be. But so often when we step out, that's when God steps in. We often want to wait for him to give us power before we go and, yeah. and it actually works out the other way around. So would you tell us maybe some stories of what, how you've seen God step in as you've stepped out? Yeah, I, I, guess, I guess one one recent one. You know, obviously we've been doing this church planting thing uh, our entire adult lives and um, you may have figured that you, you don't make a lot of money. Uh, doing that and uh we and, and so one of the sacrifices is that we've never really owned a property we've never owned our own home we've always kind of lived in rented accommodation and stuff like that and we knew that this this next move to Milton Keynes was going to be costly it's just that just that little bit closer to London and so you know there's this invisible line on the M1 somewhere where just house prices go up and up and up and 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 so we we knew that in order for this to be the lord he needed to provide um he he needed to step in and i'll be honest with you i am quite an impatient person um and um you know my version of 11th hour and god's are kind of just out of sync i think i think you know um 
he needs to get a digital watch um, <laughs> um, because you know it's very very different and and so obviously you know we're in the, we're in the process of giving up our salary uh, giving up our position in a local church and um, really kind of placing ourselves on the altar and saying oh lord we we need you to back us up here and um you know, we'd, we'd prayed and we'd fasted and got tons of people around us praying, Lord, will you please provide, figure out, help us figure out how do we move to a city we can't afford to live in? And so, um, and I think we just got to a stage where we were just like, we need to act like we're moving. And so what well, the first thing we did was we packed up our house um, about three months before we knew we were going to move. Our kids were like, what are you doing but it it just kind of felt like an act of faith you know that um you know you know Noah Noah built an ark without any sight of rain you know and and so we we kind of had this moment where it was like we just need to pack we just need to pack the house up and so that's what we did we packed the house and we filled a skip full of rubbish that we weren't going to take with us and all of those sorts of things you know and just acted like we had somewhere to live uh, and then we thought, well, well, maybe we need to perhaps look for somewhere to live. And so we, we looked at a few places and, you know, we looked at some rental properties, which were, how do you say, sub substandard? Um, but student I, accommodation, but, um, <laughs> that's basically <laughs> for our family I think of five. I think student accommodation was better. Um, um, and it was eye-wateringly expensive, you know, just thousands of pounds each month and so we're just like this is just this is just crazy and actually um we got to about july this year you know and we we needed to be in milton Keynes for september we got our youngest starting school and all of those sorts of things we needed to be there and so we got to july and um we were feeling pretty pretty depressed you know like okay lord you're not coming through this isn't happening and um i actually came to a conference here and it was a conference I didn't want to be at, but I, ha I had to be here because I was speaking. And, and, and so, <laughs> but I was, I, you know, I was doing all sorts of things. I was do, taking COVID tests all week, you know. Uh, you know so good. I was like, how do I get out of this? Because I really have nothing to give anyone. I'm, I've got no faith, you know, God isn't coming through. God's abandoned me. You know, all those sorts of things that you go through. And, um, but suffice to say, I came uh, because Tammy told me so. Um, and, and, um, and, um, you know, and I, I spent the first day answering everybody's question, like, oh, have you found a house yet? And like, no, we haven't found a house yet. You know, and just rehearsing the response and trying not to look totally disappointed. And, and um, I remember I, I got back here, I think it was Saturday, a Saturday morning or something like that. And I was like, Lord, please let no one ask that question today. Friday morning. Uh, please let no one ask that question today. But lo and behold, I'll, I'll grab a coffee from the cafe, walk into the auditorium, this couple approach me, I'm like, oh no. <laughs> They're going to ask that question, aren't they? And sure enough, hey Steve, how are you going? How's the house something going? I was like, yeah, it's not going great, but you know, this is what we're going to do. And, um, and um, they said, oh, that's really funny because um, we've been praying and we've been praying for a, a little while now. And we really feel like the Lord has told us to buy you a house. And so after I picked myself off the floor, <laughs> um, I was like, oh, yeah, okay, well, 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 what, what does that mean? <laughs> what, do, what does that mean? Well, and I was like, well, we just, we just feel like the Lord has um, given us the resources um, to enable this to happen. And we, we would love to buy a house in Milton Keynes that you, you guys can live in virtually rent-free for as long as you want. 
And, um, and, and it, just in that moment, <laughs> you know, it's just that, oh my goodness, this is real. <laughs> oh no, we're going to plant a church, you know. <laughs> 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 um, and so, you know, the Lord just stepped in. His provision was, his provision was there. I was like, oh, of course I never doubted. You know, I knew, <laughs> I knew you would do this, Lord. I knew. You know, I, no, I spent the morning crying, I think. I phoned up, I phoned up Tammy. Yeah, that was, um, that was like pretty amazing, actually, that moment. So as Steve said, before um, he'd come to this conference, um, we'd been to, we wanted with all our faith to kind of go, this is happening. We packed up, felt the Lord talk. So we'd gone to look at all these houses and um, we were kind of looking at quite a, a low uh, price bracket from the situation we were in. And I remember feeling so disheartened because actually if it was just Steve and I, I think we could have just done it, you know. I, I, you know, grew up in really poor accommodate, you know, poor estate, poor housing, you know, lived in the worst. And I, and I could live through that because it was for Jesus this time. But, you know, I was like, my children are part of this, you know, and this is not a life that they have ever known. And not that it would hurt them a bit just to uh, see that. But it's like, I really need to know this is you, Lord, because if I've got to, convince them um, this is going to be heartbreaking because it's hard enough already moving teenagers away from their life source um, to, a, to a new place. And we'd already kind of said um, to the Lord, actually, we hand them to you. They're in your hands. Um, and I'd got to the point. So Steve had got convinced him he needed to go. And um, that morning I'd got up and actually I, I just I'd spent some time with the Lord and I, I just cried. I was crying because I was just like, I don't want to do this, Lord. I don't know if I can do that to my family. And I'd done the Lecto 365 app. It's like a, like a daily reading thing you can do. And, and in that, the person um, was sharing, a, again, that reminder that the cost we pay never outweighs the cost that Christ has paid for each and every one of our lives. And so I just cried and I just had to cry and I said, give this to you, Lord, because we're doing this for you and that, that keep coming back to, we're doing this for Jesus, no matter what the cost. And so I was in that moment and I just was worshipping him saying, you know, yes, it's all for you, Jesus. It's all for you. Um, and in that second, Steve rang me. It was like, you know, two things just colliding. And he was like, are you sitting down? And at first I thought, well, I am sitting down, but do I need to, you know, I thought he'd been in an accident or something. But uh, when he said to me, I just, well, I couldn't speak. I just cried. <laughs> so speak to you in a minute. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, so, I, so that's, that's, that's a, little, a little thing that God has done uh, <laughs> to get us, get us to Milton Keynes. We still need a worship leader, if anyone's interested. But yeah, I thought I'd get that advert in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do you need another story? Sorry, I just thought of... Uh, always, no, I don't know how much stories. time we've got. We've got about 15 minutes. Okay. Um, just because, you know, that, that was like a, a major thing that happened, you know, and that came after the fact that we'd said yes and we were going to go. But I just thought maybe a bit of the journey um, that God had taken me on um, to actually even get to the yes... Um, because for me, that sense of being established where we were in Northampton and secure and um, for my, you know, my family, um, my children were growing up there. 
um, I, I really needed to be sure of this yes. Um, and I asked God to speak to me, because when Steve said, you know, I think he, he doesn't want us just to plant a church from Northampton, he wants us to move. And I was, I was literally like, I am not going unless I have a burning bush. I want to be walking down the road and a bush sets on fire and tells me it's true, <laughs> basically. Um, uh, bold, you know, and <laughs> I think that's probably one of the times I've kind of said to God, okay, it is yes, but I really need you. I really need it confirming. Um, and um, in that season of discernment, uh, we had someone come and visit us actually just before uh, lockdown happened. And he said he'd had, had, he'd had a dream, so he was going to call in and see us. And um, he basically came in and said, this is what I saw in the dream. And um, he named the street that Steve had highlighted on a map for me. He said, I think the Lord is telling us to move to Milton Keynes and, and focus on um, the west side where Watling Street runs through. And he came and he said to us, I had a dream and I saw you, uh, you know, moving out from Northampton to somewhere like Watling Street. And... <laughs> you didn't really have a choice then, did I you? Didn't, yeah, so we didn't have a choice. So, I mean, and I think even when I look back and think God was so clear, we still doubted. Yeah. <laughs> and we still wondered if it was true or how it was going to happen. Um, wow. and he, he's provided even our accommodation and the place we live. I didn't want to even live in that house we chose. We see so many houses. It's like, well, this is an amazing budget, way more than we thought we could ever hope or dream for. And Steve was like, we're going to go and see this house in Bletchley. It's where we live. And I was like, I'm not living in Bletchley. No, I hate the house. And I was like, really? Like, this isn't it. And um, <laughs> Steve was like, we're going to see it anyway. So I was like, moaning even at the pathway as we were going to the house. And the then he opened the door and said come in and straight away I felt like I was going to cry I was like walking on air it was like the spirit just came and met me it's like this is where you will live <laughs> sort of thing it, there was no kind of like question in that and even now we kind of walk around we walk got a little dog and I'm like is this really real Lord is this really is this really you <laughs> obviously it is but yeah so that's what happens when we say yes to Jesus he comes through yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I, oh, I love about that story. It's just a stunning story of the house. Yeah. Is the person that spoke to you had to say yes to Jesus. Yeah. And so not everyone's yes, yes. is the same. Yeah. Um, for some of you, it will look like planting churches and taking on ministries. Or, but for some of you, it's like working in business and being a yeah. providing house to release others into their calling. And yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So good. A um, couple of couple of final things. Um, how do people begin to say yes to the things of God for them? Yeah. Like these guys, I mean, I'm sure everyone's like, yeah, I, I, I want to go on the journey of saying yes to Jesus. How does that start? Where do we begin? I, I, think, we, I think we've probably touched on it a little bit already, but um, don't, don't wait for the conditions to be perfect. You know, um, I, think, I think sometimes we can... We think, oh, you know, I'm going to say yes to Jesus when this thing is in place or when I've finished my degree or when I've got that job with the right amount of money or, or whatever it might be that we kind of wait for the conditions to be perfect. So, you know, I look back over our journey and it's like it, at the significant moments, it's never been perfect. You know, so we planted our first church as newlyweds. <laughs> 
it's not advisable. Yeah, it's <laughs> that's not in church planting 101, is it? I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that necessarily <laughs> if it was on a plan. Um, or and then we planted another church with babies, you know, um, which had its challenges. And now we're planting a church with teenagers, you know. If, you know, and, and you could look at look at the circumstances. Think, well, it's not, it's not. Is it the right time? Should you be doing that? And and I think if we just wait for the perfect conditions, they probably never will arrive. They'll, they'll never be there. I, I think the other thing I would say is um, I think it's really key to have someone who can invest in you. Um, you know, when I look back over my journey, um, and particularly as we began this journey, there was one person who invested in me. Some of you, some of you might know Paul Phillips, who's at Winchester Vineyard. Um, but Paul... Um, he, he poured three years of his life into me, you know, and, and just believed in me and encouraged me. And he could have gone and done the thing that I was doing. But actually, he, he chose to invest in someone else. He invested, he invested in me. He poured himself into me. And, I, and I, I'd encourage you to find people like that, people who can invest in you. Um, yeah, um, and I think for me, um, it would definitely be um, to seek God's kingdom, to always be seeking God's kingdom in amidst even your own plans for your life and being willing to change your perspective of what you think your plan is for your life and line it up with that of God's kingdom and God's calling. Yeah. Jesus said that he only ever did what he saw the Father doing. And um, you guys need to know that Jesus is at work wherever you are. And so sometimes we want to wait before we say yes. But actually, uh, and I think God said to Moses, like, what's in your hand? That's like an incredible question to ask yourself. Like, where has God placed you? What do you do? Who are the people you're around? God has put his Holy Spirit in you. And as you begin to say yes to the, simply the next thing, he will breathe on you and you'll bring life to every environment you find yourselves in. Mm. Um, the final question, which I think could possibly lead to a time of prayer, mm. you guys would lead us in that, is just, could you just share your heart for those people here in the room? Um, like, what, what would you call us into? What would you call out of us? What do you sense God is saying to us? Yeah, I, I, uh, someone once said that every generation needs to reach its own generation with the tools of that generation. And, um, you know, as I, I, as I think about this emerging generation, and it, it's just fabulous to see that auditorium filled, isn't it, with 20s and 30s in our movement. Uh, I can say that because I'm 44, um, you know, um, but it's just, it's just, it fills me full of hope. And, and, and actually, you, you guys are the future of our movement, the future. And uh, God is going to put things in your hands to reach your generation. And that might not look like how we did it. Um, heaven, heaven forbid, you know, um, it, it, it may maybe a bit different, and um, and I think I think it's important to take the things that are in your hands, take what's in your hand, and 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 go with it, move with it. 
respond to what God might be stirring. Yeah, and my thoughts are is that you're here at this conference and in this seminar today because you want to give your yes to Jesus. And that can only go in the right direction because I am really excited for what the Lord wants to do in the movement. I love this movement and I champion this movement. And as Steve said, this is going to, this is it's going to be in your hands and it's actually it's not in the future it starts now it starts now because the decisions you make today affect those outcomes you know and never before i think has the movement been in a stronger position to see you through that like steve mentioned when we started uh, and and a lot of people kind of in our area it uh, it was sink or swim it was like you know, that horrifying saying where they say, if you want your baby to swim, just chuck it in the water and see what happens. And you just hope the baby doesn't die in the process, you know. But, you know, we've grown up so much as a movement. And I think there's a balance between we want those people who are willing to just jump in. You've just got to jump in and see. But also the movement has amazing things on offer, like, you know, never before, like the college you know, the leadership college that's just been birthed. It would be crazy to think, actually, I want to give my yes to Jesus, but I'm just going to leave that for a couple of years and see what happens. Just find out. Get on board, because it's not all just about church planting, as we say. Someone gave their yes to Jesus to hand their finances over to him and say, you're in control of that, Lord. And that led to us being able to go and live where we want to live. You know, there's a whole generation that doesn't know Jesus and you're far more equipped to speak to that generation. And so I just think, you know, if the question is, shall I give my yes, is, is the yes bigger than the price that Jesus has already paid and won for you?